0: Hi folks, this is James. Greetings from Hong Kong. I'm thankful for the opportunities that I can uh, share the Word of God with you today. Uh, And today's message is going to be coming from 2 Chronicles chapter 20. So if you have a Bible, please turn there. Uh, As you turn there, I have a question for you. So I wonder, have you ever been to like a garden maze or a corn maze? Um, So as I was a college pastor uh, a few years back, uh, so during the during the fall season, we like to take our college group to the corn maze and just uh, have fun and enjoyed. Um, I am terrible with the corn mazes, by the way. Um, terrible with directions, so I usually are the one in there just getting absolutely lost. Uh, sometimes I'm in there for a couple hours, and some of the college students have to come come in and rescue me. Um, so it is one of the fun activities that we look forward to, uh, and I really enjoy the different design each year that our the corn maze does, but. Um so it, it does it is fun times, but however I um but when life sometimes feels like we're in a maze, that's not as fun, isn't it? Um when life feels like a maze that we are standing in a crossroad and we, we may be staring at a dead end or we certainly don't know where is it leading us, I think that's a whole different feeling and a whole different story. And I can only imagine right now, probably some of you feel that way right now, um, but um, I want to encourage you tonight uh, or today for uh, that we can look to the Word of God um, to see when we don't know what to do, what should we do? When we don't know what to do, what should we do? So in Second Chronicles chapter 20, um, verse 1 and 2 reads, It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and with and others with them besides the emorites come came to battle against jehoshaphat then some came came and told jehoshaphat saying a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea from syria and they are here in Hazor tamor which is in Gedi." um just a little bit background for you um On this section right now Jehoshaphat is uh the the year is about 850 ish or so uh before Christ uh Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah uh at this point the kingdom has split into two Uh, after Rehoboam the kingdom has split into the northern kingdom and Judah and in the Judah line the kings uh sometimes are good sometimes are bad uh sometimes they follow the Lord sometimes they do not um However, uh, the northern kingdom, none of the kings are following God. But Jehoshaphat is a one of the good kings um, that are following the Lord. And one day, and as you can hear, I mean, um, I can imagine uh, one of the servants com- come running back to the king and says, King, there's three nations that are attacking us. They're gathering up their, their people to get ready to attack us. And... And what's going to happen? What's going to happen? How is this story going to end when there's three great nations going to fight against them? And at this point, Judah is in absolutely no shape to take on three armies at all. Um, And we can see uh, Jehoshaphat's response here uh, in chapter uh, 20, verse 3 and 4. So, and it reads, And Jehoshaphat feared. Uh, I'll pause here for a second as as I, uh, let's be fair, I I can imagine if we are the one hearing that kind of news, we would be afraid too. But as the verse continues, we we notice something and and the way the verse, uh, the verb is interacting uh, here, Next, it, it seems as if the, it is almost like a reaction. So we can see that. And Jehoshaphat fear and set himself to seek the Lord. So immediately there is a fear, but the fear doesn't lead to worry. The fear doesn't lead to a, um, a wrong way of thinking or, or anxiety. But instead, this fear has an immediate reaction for Jehoshaphat, which is to set himself to seek the Lord. But not only that, he also has proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And and he is gathering up the people. And this is how he's responding. Uh, he's gathering up the entire city with him. And 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 we see in first four, so Jehoshaph- uh, I'm sorry, so Judah gathered together and asked help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to once again seek. The Lord. Right now, Jehoshaphat's gathering the 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 city together, but he is not providing an analysis of what's going on and how they're going to fight this war, and they're gonna. He's not really even taking a tally of oh how many soldiers we have, how many able bodies that we can fight, or or how much money we can gather up so we can uh offer it as a tribune to to the three nations so that they don't take uh they don't overrun us. But no, no, no. He's doing none of those things. He's simply gathering the people to seek the Lord. They they're asking together. We're gonna fast and we're gonna pray. And and as we continue in this narrative, and and this is really verse six through thirteen is really the core of what today's message is about. So let's let's go and take a look at that those right now. Uh, verse six and it reads and said, "O Lord, our." O Lord God, our Father, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it to the descendant of Abraham, your friend, forever? Verse 8, and they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If disaster come upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple, and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cried out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save us. And now, here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Verse 11, Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given to us to inherit. O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes upon you so first of all i want to take a look at this prayer right here and and i want to take a look at the structure of the prayer and highlight some of the key points for you and and especially there um our key main points are going to be coming out of this prayer so i want you i want us to to dive in a little bit so first of all um they there is uh johassabite used three questions you can see in verse six O Lord, our, O Lord God our, of our father, are you not our God in heaven, and do you not rule over all the kingdoms and nations, and in your hand is there not might and power, so that no one is able to stand you? Uh, and then the second question comes in the for, uh, in verse 7, are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of the land before you and and give it to your your uh to the descendant of Abraham, your friend forever? And then the third question comes in verse 12. Our God, will you not judge them? Here's the interesting thing about these three questions. First of all, verse 6, the first question is actually in present tense. It is currently what's happening. Are you not the powerful God right now at this very moment? And verse 7 is actually in the form of a past tense. He's remembering from the past our are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land? He's remembering all the way back to to Abraham, the promises that God made to Abraham, and then in verse 12, as you can probably guess it by now, it is in the future tense. Will you not judge them? Not only those not only this prayer is forming these three questions, but not only in these three questions, but also these three questions are rhetorical. In nature they, they are, it is rhetorical to emphasize and to highlight uh, the the contrast of what's going on here. Um, he's not really asking a question these rhetorical, these rhetorical questions really is not meant to be answered because the answer is rather obvious. It is a resounding yes, of course. Of course, he's our God who who are in heaven. Of course, he's the one that holds all the kingdom. Of course, his hand is might and power. Of course, he's the one who, who promised Abraham to give this land to his descendant. Of course, he is the judge of all nations. These three questions actually will help guide us to know when life, uh, when we don't know what to do in life, we can, this is what we can do. This is how we can respond. First of all, we can see, going back to verse 6, we can first of all see that here, he is reflecting on God's unchanging character. When we don't know what to do, we need to reflect on God's unchanging character as the three questions have three tenses we can see that also it kind of it also reminds us that what he's the God of today yesterday and forever he is the one that holds all the nations not only just the nations but the rulers within the nations i can i I know in the news right now and, and frankly not just simply in the u s but all, i think all over the world most most folks are may not be satisfied with how the leader's handling the current situation one way or the other, whether it's too strict or not strict enough and to be honest um regardless of who who it is I think whatever decision they 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 make it's it, you know they're gonna have that feeling of we don't are you sure you know what you're doing. And here's the reality. Sometimes we do that, The same. we have the same feeling when it comes to God. But the thing is, we've got to re- remember, he does know what he's doing. He does have all the knowledge and only that he has the power in his hand. And that no one and nothing can withstand him. No one and nothing can withstand him. And we've got to keep reminding, we have to reflect on God's unchanging character as we are facing life's uncertainty, as we look into life and it feels like a maze, and when we don't know what to do. And not only that, we can learn from the Word of God about who He is He is a God of mercy and grace, and that He's faithful. Uh, earlier today, I was doing devotions with our family, and and the devotions little section is actually about uh, Joshua crossing the the Jordan River, and 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 as they were getting ready to get enter into Cana, the river is at at flood season, and some of my question why why does God choose to do to to go at this time. And and some might think, oh no, what, how are we going to do this? Has God forgotten about us? Does God know what he's doing? And as we read on, we can see that he has a plan and he has the power to stop the river. And so we can trust in his mercy and grace and his faithfulness and his power folks I, I pray that through this journey through through this time this season of time that that you will learn more about our wonderful god that you would spend time in the word of god to to learn more and more about him so that so that it is a lot easier when life when we don't know what to do in life we can reflect on his unchanging character but let's continue on let's, let's continue on Verse 7 are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people, uh, Israel, and give it to the descendant of Abraham, your friend, forever? Here, Jehoshaphat described God as Abraham's friend. Man, that, isn't that wonderful? Not only God, not only that he is a powerful God, that he can do all things and no one can withstand him, but not only that he he is also our friend he's also very close and intimate he's nearby he's our protector he is for us he calls us his friends not only that here we can see in first uh first 8 and 9 he here here he's Um, quoting Solomon's prayer when he's dedicating the temple. As Solomon is is dedicating the temple to, to the Lord, this is the prayer he has. If disaster come upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cried out to you in our affliction. And here's the promise. You will hear and save. When trouble comes, when, when these time comes, when, when there is, whether it is uh, men make trouble or, or really pestilence or famine, we can come to you and you will hear and save us. Of course, this promise is particularly towards Israel and the Israelites. And, but the thing is, don't forget though, I mean, in the Word of God, there is many other promises that God has given to us. For example, in John chapter 14, verse 16, we we can see that uh, this is Jesus speaking. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper, the Holy Spirit, that he may abide with you forever. How wonderful that promise is that that as we are facing whatever, whatever we're facing, we have a helper the Holy Spirit to be with us, to to, to become alongside of us, whether to encourage us to, to correct our thinking or, or to show us about the Father and Jesus or whatever it needs for our growth. He's there with us forever. Uh, another promise we, we can claim to as Christian is John chapter 16, verse 33. And these I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Huh. In me, you may have peace. Folks, I don't know what the current situation is uh, for you in your life. Maybe peace is a little bit difficult to come at times. Maybe there are days that you're longing and looking for peace. Uh, maybe you 're stuck in a family and 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 just you know feel like, feel like everybody is just getting on your nerves and and you know every everywhere you turn is somebody and you just want some peace and quiet and and here 's the reality those are not the ways we it 's not about distancing ourselves from others, therefore we have peace, but rather it is found in Christ and Christ alone. And only that, here's the reality too. And I don't want to be a downer, but um, when this whole um, COVID thing is over, Lord willing, there might be other tribulations. But, and and like like I said, I don't want to be a downer, but, and this is the good part, but be of, this is what Jesus says, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. What a wonderful promise is that we can claim to, that we can, first of all, run to him for peace, but not only that, we can have be of good cheer, even in the face of tribulation, that because he has overcome the world. Another promise we can find is in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 to 33. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear for all those things that the Gentile seeks for your heavenly Father knows you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you again, also in other situations that folks might be facing right now may not may not be the illness, but may be a a more financial difficulty Uh, we have folks here in hong kong right now um one of our church member here in hong kong has lost his job and 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 right now obviously is not an easy market to look for another job um but he's he's actually he's a faithful faithful man and he's uh he's just you know continue to really not only just Encourage me even as I'm trying to encourage him that, you know what, he's going to trust in the Lord and he's going to just be faithful in his word and he's going to just keep seeking his face. He's not going to worry about the job situation, though he, he has a family to feed and, and, and a place he need to figure out where to live and whatnot. But he's going to continue to trust in the Lord because he says, you know what, the Lord has taken care of us and he's not going to just abandon us. So, so another wonderful promise during this time, I want to continue to to encourage you as well as as you might be facing uh different difficulties and 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 the last last promises I want to real quickly share is Philippians chapter four, verse six through seven. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God. Which suppress all understanding will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Again, we see here that it is through Christ Jesus that we have peace. And is a peace that's beyond understanding? Is a peace that on the uh from the unsaved world looking in, they're like, How can you be so calm about this? How can you find peace and joy in the middle of this? And I think my friend, my 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 friend, that is unemployed right now, is actually a great example of that. That he is, he is learning to experience peace of God, which beyond that suppress all understanding. So, folks, these are the promises of God to us, specifically as Christians, and are those promises on our lips and in our heart? And also, are they promises that we are, that are in our prayer? So that when we feel like we're lost in this world, we have lost our way, we, we have looking at, at maybe a, a fork in the row and we don't know what to do. Are you clinging on to the promises of God? Not only that I, I, I want to continue on here and sometimes life seems to just like throwing you a curveball. And now here are the first uh, ten, and now here are the people of Am and Moab and Mount Seir whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. But they have tur- but they have turned from them and did not destroy them. Verse 11, here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given to us to inherit. Um, just kind of a little bit of background here. Here's, here's a curveball. I think maybe um, Jehoshaphat may be a little bit frustrated because when, as Israelites are invading, are, are, are conquering Cana, um, God has specifically... List the three groups here in Deuteronomy chapter two. You can, you can, if you want to look at that, you can, you can spend some time to look at that. But in Deuteronomy chapter two, God has specifically listed out these groups of people and says, "Hey, don't touch them. Do not go near them. I will not give you victory if you pick a fight with them. You are to leave them alone." As you can imagine, in their mind right now, it's like. First of all, the attack is unprovoked. It is just they didn't go pick a fight, and all of a sudden they're coming against them, and not only that, this fight could have been avoided if 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 you would just let our ancestor take care of them, you know, hundreds of years ago. But that is not the case. Sometimes, frankly, often, God moves in a way that we simply cannot understand. Or see the rationale behind it. But here's one big thing I want you to remember. Just because I cannot see God work. Or don't understand what God is doing. It does not mean that he is not working in this world to accomplish his will. Let me say it one more time. Just simply because we... Cannot see God work, or we don't understand it. It does not mean that He is not working in this world to accomplish His will. Right now, we look at our current situation, whether it's economy, whether it's health, whether it's just the the world in general, or maybe in your own life. This is beyond the the specific. It's actually more specific than than just the the virus or the economy, something else in your life that you feel like, God, what are you doing in my life and 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 are you doing something, and we've got to keep remind ourselves that he is doing something to accomplish his will. It doesn't mean that his promises has changed it doesn't mean that we we ought to try to figure it out ourselves and solve it. We need to plan A and then plan B and C and then maybe God will come in as plan D. But that's not what we need to do. We we need to continue to cling to his promises. I can imagine as the disciple on on the night where Christ is crucified, they're wondering, if does God know what he's doing? Does Jesus know what he's doing? But... In fact, he does know what he's doing. He is executing one of the greatest rescue plans in the whole wide world. Even to the, to the rest of the world, he seemed to be defeated. And, and he seemed to have lost everything. He has victory. He is executing his plans. So I want to encourage you. God is an unchanging God. He will accomplish His work. So continue to cling to who He is and His promises. When you're in that maze, you you feel like, I go to the left. I think I've been there before. It looks like I'm going in circles. And when you go to the right, it feels like a dead end. But, But so often we forget our view is just so limited. But for God... God has a bird's eye view. He's looking from above. He can see the entire maze from the beginning to the end. And he's guiding you out of this. And at times, he's taking his time, not for his benefit, not because he cannot accomplish it within his own timing, but rather, he's taking his time so that we can spend time with him, so that we can get to know him, and so that we also built up our faith let's go ahead and finish up here in verse 12 this is the last question so to speak that that Jehoshaphat has our God will you not judge them and again the 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 this question is the resounding yes, he will take care of that. But I, I appreciate what Jehoshaphat here right after this question he's he's freely emitting something here. And I think this is the key verse for us to, to really dive into and, and really learn from. He says this for we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. We have no power, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Here King Jehoshaphat is a great example for us He's recognizing that he is limited and that, that not only just he is limited, but his resources is limited. He, he's just freely emitting and humbling himself instead of instead of trying to figure it out. I'm going to grit my teeth and I'm going to just just push through this, whatever this might be. I'm going to I'm going to do whatever it takes, you know, and and I'm I'm self-reliant. I can I can just, you know, I can do this and and. I'm not saying that there, we have no part in all of this. And in fact, if you continue on, you, you can see that um, Israel has their part in this war that's about to happen. But here's the reality. We've got to realize that. We've got to understand that we must humble ourselves. We cannot simply manipulate or plan our way or buy our way out of this. We need to admit that we're limited and our resources is limited. And when we don't know what to do, our responses ought to be. But our eyes are upon you. We see this wonderful narrative here teaching us when we're facing overwhelming circumstances, when, when life's, uh, and life's uncertainties, it, it teaches us that, first of all, we, we need to be reflecting on God's unchanging character. Aren't you not the God who, who holds heaven in His hand, who has the might and power? Second of all, we need to claim to the promises of God. Lord, didn't you promise that, that I can find peace in you? Peace and rest in you. And not only that, we need to freely and humbly admit to ourselves and the Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And folks, as you are facing this and maybe again maybe it's not the virus maybe it's not the pandemic maybe it's not even the economy that that's really what's worrying you right now that's not on that's on the front of your mind right now maybe it's something else entirely different maybe it's something else that that only you know and nobody else do but I want to encourage you to to as you are looking at this whatever situation it might be that you continue to look, put your eyes on Christ. So how does this story end? I'm actually going to encourage you to read the story. Um, as I was younger I'm always excited about what the story ends, how the story ends and here's the reality. When God says he will take care of us the story shows us that he does take care of us. Um, I'm actually, as I'm Continue to study this passage. I grew less and less interested in the ending because not because I'm not I'm not saying it's not it's not important because it really does showcase what God is doing in Israel's life and and his character. But I'm less interested in the ending because sometimes I think, oh, maybe he's going to do it for us this way. No, 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 no. God is working his own unique plan for each and every one of us. What we need to do is to remember his character, cling to his promise, and keep our eyes on the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are thankful, Lord. Um though this mean of meeting and, and is not ideal, but Lord, we are thankful through, uh, through technology that we have this opportunities to 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 Share your word and to be encouraged by your word, Lord. I pray for the folks who are listening to this right now, Lord. Uh, maybe they're facing many different situations that, that they feel like they don't know what to do, Lord. As you promise that you have sent your Holy Spirit to us, that you help us and abide with us, Lord. I pray that Holy Spirit, you will bring up those promises in the character of God. That of the Father and of the Son that that we need to be remembering, that we need to cling to in the promises through your word. Father, we pray that you continue to do your work in this world and bring glory to yourself. And we're thankful that we can be a part of this. Thank you for this opportunity to share your word. And it is in your Son's name I pray. Amen.